Let us pray. Shatter the silence, mighty God, with your glad and glorious greetings. Banish all our fears and give us faith in Jesus Christ, the risen Lord. If there is anything said from this pulpit that is against your will, let it come to naught and do no harm. But if there is anything said from this pulpit that is according to your will, let that be heard, as if sung by the voice of angels, that hearing we might believe, and believing obey. Amen. I don't, uh, I don't know about you, but this week for me has been one of pure Olympic detox. I loved watching the Olympics. The detox symptoms have been ugly, if you must know. You can talk to my wife about that. But I've been missing them watching the Olympics, not just for the great feats of sport, but for the stories that were drawn out about these athletes, stories about the very best parts of what it means to be a human being, stories of perseverance and determination, stories of hope, hope, hope. The one thing that I didn't like about watching the Olympics was that there were many events where I already knew the results because of the time difference between here and Tokyo, right? It was almost unavoidable to stay away from the results of certain events because they were on websites, on the radio, on Facebook, on television. So unless you were living under a rock until 7 p.m. every night, you were going to know much of how the Olympics had already turned out that day, right? That happened to anyone else. Maybe you did what I did, because then I would find myself watching and hoping that the events that I was, watch was watching might turn out differently than what I'd already heard, right? Because I was watching. So I knew, for instance, that that darling U.S. gymnast, Simone Biles, was not going to compete, but I watched anyway that night, and I hoped that she would. Why? I hoped that it would be different because I was watching. I watched as one swimmer chased down another, as one runner chased down another, having already seen the result. But I hope that maybe this time it would be different. Was I the only one? Am I the only one that does this? I do the same thing when I watch certain movies. Like in Rocky II. When Apollo takes down Rocky, every time I watch it, I'm like, maybe this time Rocky will win. No? How about in Rocky III? When Mickey dies. Why did that have to happen? No? 
What about in Rocky IV then? <laughs> when Apollo dies? They're not, they're not Rocky fans. What about in Beaches? When Barbara Hershey dies? No? How about in Toy Story 3 when he has to hand down his toys? Every time I watch these movies, I'm thinking, maybe this time it'll be different. Hoping against hope. Hoping when you have no reason to hope, and yet you hope anyway. When we hope against all odds, we are doing one of the very best things that we can do as human beings. This hopefulness against all odds is one of the things that we should really be passing down. We pass so many things down, so many negative things down to the children in our midst. Can we not also be passing down this hopefulness? Can we not be cultivating that hopefulness, hoping against hope as a community? You know, we do that. Whenever we pray that phrase in the Lord's Prayer, deliver us from evil, we are hoping against hope. We're cultivating hope. We're believing that God can lead us through and bring us out of whatever evil, whatever is pushing us down. Whenever we pray that, deliver us from evil, we're cultivating hope. We're believing that God can deliver us into something new and life-giving. What a beautiful phrase. What a hopeful phrase. Deliver us from evil. Can we hope against hope together? I even found myself reading this story this morning and hoping against hope. I've read this story many times, the story of the Canaanite woman, and I was hoping and maybe this time it would be different. Not this time this morning when Edwin read it. I wasn't hoping it would be different this time because if it was different, then this sermon would be a huge problem. <laughs> but when I was studying and getting ready, I thought maybe this time this Canaanite woman will be from somewhere else. Don't be from the border town. Don't be from the pagan land. Be an old Jewish lady in the suburbs of Jerusalem, because then Jesus will help you. I read and I hoped that maybe the disciples would be nicer. I hoped for that. I understand that they had some history with her people. Think a couple of thousand years of Capulets and Montagues, but still this is harsh. For this woman, I hoped as I was reading this text that somehow, maybe this daughter's malady would be different this time. Maybe she would be blind or she would have paralysis or she would have a disease, but golly, demon possession, what are we supposed to do with that? Couldn't it be something we could put our arms around? Maybe this time in reading the story, it would be different. And the Canaanite woman, too, she's hoping in the story. She's hoping against hope. She knows. She knows that Jesus has a specific mission to bring transformation to a very specific group of people, Israel. And she knows, she knows she's an outsider to that mission. But if you listen closely, 
Can't you hear her? Can't you hear the hope in her voice? Can't you hear her saying, I know this, I know this usually doesn't happen. But I was thinking maybe this one time, Jesus, it could be different. Maybe you've been there. I know this usually doesn't happen. But maybe this one time, Jesus, it could be different. Maybe could deliver me. Maybe this one time. Could you deliver me? And then, you know, she hopes. It's Canaanite woman. She hopes that Jesus will do something right away. That Jesus will fix it for her right away, deliver her right away like Jesus is supposed to do, but he doesn't. Jesus doesn't say anything. He doesn't say a word. In fact, the text is really clear about this. It actually says, Jesus doesn't say a word. Nothing. And is there anything worse than God's silence when you're hoping against hope? Because when you're hoping against hope and God is silent, you don't want to hear anything about being patient or the, or the mystery of God's presence or how everything happens for a reason. You want an answer when you're trying to hang on to something. If you're desperate to hang on to something like this Canaanite woman is desperate to hang on, when you need anything to hang on to and you're desperate to be delivered from evil and you get silence, you get nothing. That means no, right? Like to us, that means no. Am I going to get through this? Followed by silence. Are they going to grow up safe? Followed by silence. Is my life going to matter? Am I going to die from this? Do I get to go to heaven? And all of that followed by silence. Hoping against hope followed by God's silence. Is there anything worse than that? And sometimes you have to wonder, is God really being as silent as we think he is? I recently had a conversation with a woman. She's not a Canaanite, but she had a similar experience in life. Maybe it's one you can relate to. She has this deep sadness in her, you know, the kind of sadness that just like hangs in your chest doesn't go away. She has this deep sadness in her. She's had wounds inflicted on her by, by people she thought loved her. She's lost her husband and now she's ill herself and she had to have a surgery. And so one of our pastors went to see her and the pastor asked, what's your favorite psalm? And the person said, Psalm 91. And so the pastor said, go get your Bible and we're going to read that psalm together. 
And she went and she got the Bible and she brought it to the pastor and they opened it. And when they opened it and turned to Psalm 91, it was gone. It had been ripped out of the Bible. Was this another sign of the deafening silence of God? The same kind of silence experienced by the ones who have come to me recently to say, I just can't find the one I'm meant to love. I just want to have a child. Does any of this mean anything? Is any of this really true? And on it goes. And then we can fall in, right, to this posture of despondency, this resignation to the absence of God, where we fail to see what he's truly up to, that maybe he's not as silent as we thought. Like with that woman in Psalm 91, even that the psalm was gone, you might wonder, where was it? And then she remembered the psalm had been ripped out, that she had ripped the psalm out and given it to another in need. And so you might say, as she opened the Bible and she found it missing, it wasn't the silence of God, but that it was gone was God speaking to her and reminding her that she has a purpose and that she can still be the hands and feet of God to the people that need him. I called her after the surgery and you know, she said something that I don't think I'll forget. She said, something has happened to me. I am falling in love with life again. Somewhere in all of that, what she could have perceived to be silence, she has heard God speaking in her life. Moltmann says, why is there so much despair and apathy about? It's because we have betrayed our dreams and lost our hopes. Blessed is he who expects nothing, because he will not be disappointed. Which is why you've got to love that Canaanite woman. Because she refuses to believe that. She refuses to believe the story that had been scripted for her. She refuses to believe that this is it for her and for her daughter. She refuses to believe that her words, perhaps the most vulnerable words we can say, words that we need to learn how to say, the words help me, she refuses to believe that those words will go unheard. And she was right. And so there at the end of the story, we finally hear Jesus say, woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed instantly. From utter silence to an instant miracle. This is how God works sometimes. And it's one of the reasons I love the Olympics. Because it is filled with people who will hope and they hope against hope, and they refuse to believe in the script that someone else has written for them. They believe in an unscripted ending, a delivered ending. Did you watch? Did you see Gable Steveson, that heavyweight from the University of Minnesota? Did you see? 
He was down by one with 10 seconds left to go in the match, but scored a takedown with half a second to go to win the gold. Did you see Suni Lee? She went to Tokyo with silver in her sights. But that was the ending that others had scripted for her. When her mentor, hero, and teammate Simone Biles took her leave, Suni performed unfazed, flipping her way to the Olympic gold. This stuff inspires me. Allison Felix had a baby girl between the Rio and Tokyo games, and she had a life-threatening complication that came with that birth. But that didn't keep her from being the most decorated Olympic athlete in U.S. track and field history. And of course, Annie Laser, from right here, suffered through the sudden loss of her dad in April, but two months later became the oldest American swimmer to qualify for her first Olympic team in 17 years. And not only that, she won the bronze medal in the 200-meter backstroke. They didn't believe in the story that someone else had scripted for them. Let them inspire you to hope against hope. Let the woman with Psalm 91 inspire you in the same way. Maybe God is talking. Maybe God is speaking to you. Maybe God is encouraging you. And let that Canaanite woman inspire you too. The one who dared to believe that there was more for her than the ending that someone else had scripted for her. There's more for you. There's more for us. God is about the work of deliverance as we hope against hope. Amen.